Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, where we are going to pick up something that we left off about, uh, what was that, like a year and a half ago? Two years ago, no. It was a long time ago. A year and a half sounds good. Top five sci-fi and top five fantasy of the years 1987 through 1996. Welcome to primetime. Anyways, uh, my name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name is Aaron. So, we find ourselves back in this mm-hmm. place again, this place. And although technically this is our 150th episode, we are I'm not going to label this 150. You're going to be all shocked. You're going to be like, "What? What?" That's because I'm trying to, you know, make everything precise and, you know, only want the movies with numbers on it. But hey, this is technically our 150th okay. episode, even though if you put all the episodes together, it's way more than 150. Shut up. So what's our actual episode count? Mm. Cool. I think we've had like seven special episodes. Oh, okay. And not counting all the soda episodes, which are no longer available because we ran out of space. But uh, yeah, it's been a long time. And now we're doing this again. How do you guys feel about your list? Uh, Good. It was difficult to make, but I feel good about it. I feel confident. I know I don't sound it, but I, I feel pretty confident about I believe it. you, Aaron. I believe you when you say that. Now, the question is, who wants to go first? Now, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's preface this. Is Are these our absolute top five favorites of these things? Or did you guys, like, do some merits based on, like, what they meant in your life or or all that stuff like that? Because well, I had a weird system. In, in list past, I would go down to the beach and stare at the waves for a while and consider each each option heavily as as i consider each uh strand of sand on the on the beach but uh i feel that my not as much time was devoted to this list so i feel that this is my how i feel right now about 1987 uh, to 96 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to my best ability what i feel are my top five from each and uh probably about 37 uh, honorable mention. Honor, honorable mention. Honorable, deeply honored many, films. Many honorable mentions. Yeah. Mm. I mean, how'd you How'd you go for yours? I did it the same way I always do. Usually, what I do is I'll look year by year, genre by genre, for movies, and I'll write anything down that catches my eye. And then I whittle that down a little bit, and then I go through them all again, and I whittle them down to a top five, and then I basically decide what my honorable mentions are going to be. But I did I did swap a couple at the very last second. Ooh. Because there are some that are really sentimental for me that during this era of watching movies, they were movies that were on a regular rotation for me and I really enjoyed them and now there are some movies that as a grown-up I've watched that are from this time period and I've really enjoyed them but I never saw them back then so it's kind of like I feel like maybe I wasn't an original fan of that movie or whatever but I feel pretty good about where it's at right now it's pretty representative representative of my taste cool yeah you've taken all the timelines of yourself and you combine them into one yeah mm-hmm. that's what i'm trying to do every day nice <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah i did the uh I, I did basically the the beginning part that you're talking about any movie that caught my eye within that time period and genre and then i did the flick chart method which is if you guys don't know that uh, flick chart that's f-l-i-c-k C H A R T dot com 
is a site where you literally two posters pop up on the, the screen and you have to pick between those two movies, which one you like better or the way I usually played it was like, which one would I rather watch if they, if like I was slipping between channels and you know, there's an option. I haven't seen this movie or I haven't seen both. So, you know, your list isn't full of inaccuracies for movies. You don't see you, you just build your list. And so like I had a huge list going for a long time and I've restarted it over and over again, but that's what I did with this. I wrote down the movies and then I went one by one through like, would I rather watch that one or that one? Okay. I'd rather watch that. So I got to change my numbers over and over again. So kind of tedious, but that's, that's, I like doing lists like that. I don't know if my order is 100% true to the way I would want it to be, but I think it's close enough. I mean, this isn't set in stone. This isn't the Ten Commandments or anything like. And speaking of those, I don't think the Ten Commandments being, you know, number one, number two, number three, whatever, uh, were in order of like which ones are most important. But I guess I'm not a Bible scholar. I think what I'm getting out of this is, yes, these are numbered, but I think these are numbered today to how I feel right now. Yes, that's what I got. And we decided to do a top five of fantasy and a top five of science fiction for this group of years. And I think all of us were pretty overwhelmed by the amount of science fiction and fantasy movies that we watched from this era of films. Yeah, this was a very formulative time for me, uh, personally, both physically and probably, you know, well, yeah, you know, spiritually. So, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of movies, so it was real rough. Uh, a lot of struggles, but I'm really glad that my friends were here to help me through the the, the, the tears, the sorrows, the good times. Uh, of course. Yep. You know it. Yeah, and you're going to hear things on our list that we've already covered as episodes, but that's because our, our method is we try to do a listener pick, we try to do a random pick, and then we do one that one of us picks. So naturally, we pick some of our favorites already. But they're not all just from our list, at least uh, I don't think so. But we haven't discussed it yet, so there's definitely going to be duplicates and stuff like that. It's just going to be like one of the other ones we've already done before. So let's get into it. I say we start with Sarah. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll cut out your last name. <laughs> I say we start with Sarah, Okay. then Aaron, and then me. Why? Start- because I'm the coolest. Wait, should, should I, I should Aaron that. go last? No, no I, I I was just thinking because we were in a row. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, so Sarah, then we won't lose our place, and then Thomas, and then Joel, and then Aaron. Okay. Okay. Start with sci-fi. What's your number five? All right, here it goes. Number five. Number five of sci-fi for me. They live. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe, as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are, or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me! Put these on. They have us. Look at them, they're everywhere. 1988. Do either of you guys have this on your list? It's on my honorable mentions. Honorable mentions as well. This actually made it into my top five, even though I never watched it before we watched it for the podcast. I'm so happy. And I, uh, I love this movie, too. I really love it. I really, really love it. And I thought about putting a different one in this spot, but I've got to admit that it's a very watchable movie. Oh, yeah. And I really enjoy that it is both uh, simple and has some depth to it in terms of the concept and what it could be about or what it what it is, but it's very fun too. And I definitely will be rewatching this one. And I think it's a pretty awesome movie from this time period. I so. think about the bass lines in that movie a lot. The dern 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 dern. Yeah. Dern. Put on those glasses. <laughs> 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 oh man, you you gotta love how the movie is is so clearly it can be enjoyed just as a pure action, stupid, yeah, like, superficial. Comedy, I love it. 
And, like, you can't ignore the message because the message is so freaking blatant. Oh, yeah. But it's good that way. It's not, you know, like, shoving it down your throat. You're just at, you just can't stop. You gotta, you gotta ask for more. I mean, there's even something about it that almost seems sat- satire. Oh, yeah. Um, like, Mars Attacks or something. Like, or I don't know. It just seems so ridiculous. But it also seems like it really is saying something. And saying something that I think is just as important now as it was when it was made, if not more so. But I like that it doesn't commit to, like, sitting you down and giving you, like, a moral lesson. It's just an action movie. And there's more to it than that if you want to think about the other things that are happening. So, yeah, that's my number five. And I'm... I'm very happy that I got to see it because of the podcast, because I had never watched it before, and I probably never would have watched it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was Kempo's pick, too, so thank you for that, Kempo. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right, me, huh? Yep. Number five for me is The Running Man from 1987. Really? In the year 2017... An innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark. I'll be back. Go! Speaking of movies with messages. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it does have a message, but I think it's way less uh, concerned with what the and the underlying, you know, like you're being controlled by the the media you consume, and uh, a, a prison state or a police state could be right around the corner if you let the people already in, you know, with the most money take charge or whatever. But it's, I mean, it's such a ridiculously fun action movie, like '80s pastiche goofy game show thing and like like arnold schwarzenegger like at the top of his game one-liners or whatever we don't we don't necessarily need to talk about those and uh, like a a person of color as his his interest you know and then uh, richard dawson i think is the uh, name of the guy who did a family feud it was we we love sarah and i love to talk about because he was always randomly smooching people and it's like what's up with that yeah like he was born to play a villain, and he does it so good in this one. And like, it's there's just so much goodness to talk about. All right, my number five. Um, no one else wants to say anything. Uh, about the running man. Okay, I'm okay. Just all right, pausing. Running Man. Yeah, um, give me a moment here. Um, uh, that movie I've, sucks, Joel. <laughs> no, no, dude. There are some pretty amazing scenes in that movie. Uh, when like Arnold's on the run, uh, and he's trying to hide out, and just being like. Uh, I don't know, like minority reported from like the yeah. cops and stuff, yeah. and like, um, I mean, just the whole, the whole, the whole setup of that movie, just insane. I, I never thought I'd ever fall in love with a with a fiber optic fiber optic uh, mohawked man, uh, morbidly obese uh, opera singer. You mean? Yeah, amazing, mm. amazing. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh. I think that was the first time on this podcast for me, too, was I had never seen that movie before, and we watched it for the podcast, and it would not make my top five, and it doesn't make my honorable mentions either. Uh, That's okay. I understand why it could for people, but for me, personally, it was too obnoxious. For some reason, I didn't. It, I wasn't thinking about it when I was constructing this list, so it is not even in my honorable mention oh, either, Joel. God, that's okay. This that's would okay. be cool if all of us picked different ones. I, I think we're doing Maybe. it, guys. It is, like, I, both of you looked at me like, "Oh my gosh, that's in your top five? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh no, 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 no. My look was that. My look was more of surprise that it was no. It wasn't even on my list. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was looking through the movies again after I already made my list, and I was like, uh-huh. wait a minute. I didn't even notice that that movie came out within the time. Oh, oh, whatever. Hopefully somebody else will mention it. But, yeah. that's No, I just like The Running Man. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I know it's goofy. Yeah. No, dude. It's I- good to have different flavors in your, you know, favorite picks, because, 
you don't want them to all be serious or all be funny or whatever. Yeah, I don't think I have that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now your turn. All right. So uh, my number five pick for science fiction movies is from 1987, Short Circuit 2, because I, it's just amazing. Some say he's nuts. To the moon, Alice! Some say he's bolts. Muchas gracias. But everyone agrees he's America's most electric leading man. Mercy and home! He's... The all-new Johnny Five. Just look at these items. Increased memory, 500 megabytes online. I come with a utility pack. Dozens of gadgets for outdoor living. Lots of green pea stickers and even my own Nike swoosh. Like, <laughs> it's not really any, any deep, any, anything more deep than that. Again, I guess my love of Mohawks continues, uh, on in, in this film as well, with a robot who decides to wear a Mohawk. And the Los Locos set him up that way. It's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they're good. They're good guys. And I'm really glad they, they did that. Uh, I wish, I wish there was a more deeper sentiment than that, but, uh, it's, it was, it, it's definitely an awesome movie. Uh, I think I was just I was so excited that there would that there would even consider a sequel to Johnny Five and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah good times. I was a big fan of the Short Circuit movies as a kid too. I watched them a ton. I think I had like a tape to tape copy or something of the first Short Circuit, and I definitely saw this one too. But I just didn't remember it as well. Maybe it's because I've seen the other one so many times. And I confuse it with batteries not included, which is like a totally different thing. Yeah, that one made my honorable mention list. Batteries not included is a weird movie. Yeah, it is. And this is this is kind of weird for a sequel because the the first movie is like he's like a military robot that that gains sentience but doesn't turn into an evil well, thing. Well, the thing is for me is is that it's, it, I feel why why this movie made my list too is because I wouldn't consider the need for a sequel. Yeah. And and but this movie is just so fun. It's there. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of like unexpected. Exactly. Exactly. Fun from the same character. Yeah. That's cool. It's got Michael McKean in it, which is like always a good thing for a movie. It, um it's got these like you get some weird so many weird moments of like honest emotion from this puppet this robot puppet but yeah. i assume like i don't know anything about the you know how that worked or anything like that but like when he's sad you you feel it like on his emotional it's thing, the voice i think too and like well he's got like a movable face yeah. you know and, like eyebrow yeah. positions and stuff like that and like they do an amazing job and you know the i i remember the music being particularly heavy also so yeah oh yeah it's being beaten to death with a crowbar yeah no. yeah definitely hits you in the heartstrings for sure <laughs> you care about that robot and he likes the Bee Gees, so exactly <laughs> <laughs> and he's an american citizen now so we don't even need to worry about it <laughs> Alrighty, so number four Mm-hmm. My number four is Jurassic Park. Oh, that may be on my list. Yeah. Also, also on my list. Higher up for you guys. Yes, uh, by one point. Okay. Mm. I'll just touch on this then, since we did it for the podcast. We did an episode with Jurassic Park, and we, um, yeah, we've got multiple people selected it. Everybody selected it, it sounds like, for our top five. Yep. Um, yeah. This movie, I couldn't not put it in my top five because I feel like it's such an important movie like for any time period. It's one of the most realistic movies with dinosaurs in it that was ever made, even now, like, even now, it's probably the best movie with dinosaurs, in my opinion, that was ever made because of the effects that they used and because of, I mean, it's a thriller movie as well, but it's an adventure and it's, yeah, I'm sure everybody will have a lot to say about it, but I think it's one of the best 
not only sci-fi movies, but it's one of the best action-adventure movies, I think, of, like, my lifetime. Anyway, that was my four. Oh, yeah. Totally. My number four is Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. Mm. That made my honorable mention list. That's on my list. Your top five list? All right. Mm-hmm. So to uh, just say really quickly, I, 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 the movie was a phenomenon when it when it came out. I was way too young to see it, and then I, I remember like just hearing everybody talking about it and seeing pictures of the things. It's like, oh, liquid metal, dude. Oh, robot, dude. <laughs> oh, crazy. What's gonna happen? Oh man, motorcycles. But like, I didn't. I don't think I saw it until I was probably like sixteen or seventeen, but. It's like I was. I couldn't. I, I I still watch it to this day. But that's the kind of effect it has. Like oh, I'll just toss it in there, just to watch it. Anyways, the, yeah. It's so definitely we'll get back to it. got watchability. Oh for yes, sure. oh, definitely. And it was a full on phenomenon when it came out. It, and it's as different from the first one as Alien is to Aliens. Yes, Terminator is to Terminator Two. For sure. And and they're both awesome. Heck yeah. Aaron? Uh, my number four pick is a 1993 comedy science fiction movie called Freaked. Ricky Coogan, Brat Pack Sleazebag. <laughs> Elijah C. Scuggs, Freak Show Tycoon, an amateur bioengineer. I can look at a guy like Kevin Costner. And see a giant peach grub. When fate brought them together, Mr. Scuggs took an average Hollywood <laughs> slime ball and made something out of him. <laughs> uh, this, really? is, this was directed by none other than Alex Winter uh, of Bill and Ted fame. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. Uh... It's, well, it's just like a based off a TV show that he had, like. But yeah, I don't, I don't really know anything. I haven't seen it. The effects are amazing. That is, that's why it made my list. The practical effects are ridiculous. The jokes are pretty bad, but the the effects are amazing, and that that's why it's a very memorable and watchable rewatchable movie. What's and that's it why it about? Made it. Just a so bit. basically, uh, this guy has it all, like everything. He's like a like a reporter, I think, or something like that. And then essentially he gets like mutated. Uh, and so he finds he finds this other group of mutants essentially and they try to uh uh they just try to get by. <laughs> it's really funny. It's real good too. Cool. Super dumb, super fun. And yeah, the the fact that I found out today about that movie about Alex Winter being the director of it made me laugh That's pretty hardcore. Awesome. So. Yeah, that was his, that was his whole. I like he was on like comedy program and stuff like that. So yeah, there's like cool. a there's a sentient sock, isn't isn't there? Somebody's like a one of the mutants. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of the mutants is a sock that talks. It's okay. it's amazing. That's it's... what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best material. I highly recommend watching it sometime. Maybe we'll see it for the podcast. Yeah, sure. Awesome. That's my number four. Well, I've never heard of that, but I'm interested now. Um, and my number three is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Sarah Connor is a Once he was programmed to destroy the future. I don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission. Get down is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. (laughs) Dude, I have so many memories of playing the Game Boy game. Of Terminator 2. The Game Boy game. Mm -hmm. You ever played Terminator 2, the the Game Boy game? No, I played the arcade game. No. Not, yeah. It was pretty fun. Mm. I mean, it wasn't as good as the arcade game. Of course not. Nothing could beat the amazing experience in that game. But the movie, though, way better than the video game. I'm surprised we haven't done this movie for the podcast. But I guess, you know, there are a lot of other big movies we haven't done yet as well. But this movie, 
I probably saw it not too long after it came out, and it was scary. I remember being afraid watching it as, at a, a couple of moments, especially that were violent. I just think that it was it was kind of an undeniable force at the time that it came out, and not just because it was in the media and they had drinks at Taco Bell or whatever the heck. I don't even remember all the <laughs> ad cross-promotion stuff they had going on at the time. But it is a good action movie. It's a really good action movie. Little more light on the sci-fi than some other action movies that have sci-fi in them are. But because it was already an established character, it was great to see them turn it around. Because oh, yeah. he is the most terrifying thing to her in the first Terminator, and then they've made him help helping her, which is hard for her to believe, and she's in an institution and all this stuff. But... It's a good twist. It's a good movie. It's, it's a real good twist there to for ha- having having the, the, the horror horror of the, the, the creature that's trying to hunt you down, being programmed to, I must help you. So and, good. And the whole idea of being stalked by these robots in the first Terminator movie and in the second one, they are so effective at making you feel that they don't have anywhere to hide and that there's this machine that can't be stopped that's after them. And in this one, the Evil T-1000? Evil T- T-1000 is the as seen in the that guy uh, was... Wayne's World? Wayne's World, yeah. Yeah. That guy was so creepy, and I didn't know him from anything else at the time, but he did such a good job at being non-human in this role. Heck yeah. Um, mm. And I read in the trivia that he <laughs> auditioned for this pretending to make motions like a bald eagle. And um, awesome. I definitely can see that now that I know that. Um, anyway, uh, this one is probably just a classic pick. I watched it a lot when it came out. Oh, yeah. I don't love this movie the way I love some movies. It doesn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling to watch it, but it's definitely enjoyable even now. Yeah. So that's all I was going to say about it. I have to say that uh, I, I didn't watch the original Terminator until the first time, maybe, I want to say like five years ago or something like that. And that's because when Terminator 2 came out, it, like the first Terminator became like, oh, it's not nearly as good as the Terminator 2. But like like you were saying, the, it's like Alien and Aliens. Like people have their preference. And I love Terminator 1 now, but almost for completely different reasons that I love Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. And if anything, watching Terminator 1 gave me such an appreciation that I didn't have before for Terminator 2 because of the change to Sarah Connor as a character. Like, and him, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, her is is the one that, like, really had to, like... Right. You could see the effects that the whole thing had on her. You know? Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think that's kind of like a, a stroke of genius when it comes to storytelling, because they could have just, ma- I don't know, made her the same kind of person she was before or something like that. And was that James Cameron, the second one? Yes. Oh, yes. Did he do the second Aliens, too? Yes, he, he did. did. That's he did what that I one thought. Too? They're both awesome action movies, too. Yeah, and they're cool for having female action stars who are badass yeah which even even then was was like an anomaly uh, uh not the, 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 that word mm-hmm. an, an, uh, rare. anomaly anomaly <laughs> it was rare <laughs> the rarest of jewels <laughs> a lady with muscles oh my <laughs> uh but there's so many things, like, we, we have to do an episode so we can just talk about all the things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to add a little antidote that, uh, uh, I think I, I think, I think I mentioned this every time we talk about Terminator 2, about how I went and got a haircut because, uh, or I took the action figure backing card, like, cardboard, 
in into like a hairstylist place and i was like can you make me look like this and held up and it was like a painting of arnold schwarzenegger like really? half his face sight you know the, 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 the skeleton showing yeah, but like he had the spiky hair like <laughs> that's awesome and the lady gave me like a really cool spiky haircut nice nice yeah I'm glad that worked out. Oh, it was awesome, yeah. I was half cybernetic for about... No, I'm joking. <laughs> I am a cybernetic. <laughs> yeah. I had this, like... I had this, um... I have to say it must have been, like... Like a, uh... Some, some sort of, uh, gun toy. I think it fired maybe, like, uh... I don't know, like, suction cups or something like that. But it was basically a shotgun... And I remember at some point in, in Terminator 1, uh, uh, was it uh, uh, John Connor, like, saws off the back of the shotgun or whatever? Uh, You're talking about Michael Bean's character? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not John Connor. Oh, is it not John Connor? No, oh, it's not. apologize. I can't remember. I forget his name, too. Yeah. Anywho, I, so I remember I had this suction cup saw, uh, shotgun, and I remember sawing off the uh, the butt end of it just... <laughs> Because I needed to go fight Terminators. No, yeah. <laughs> that buck can't get out fast enough. You That's right. Shorten that barrel. You gotta shorten that barrel. Mm. It's gotta hide in your trench coat. So coming to a podcast soon, <laughs> Terminator Two. <laughs> uh, my number three movie from 1994, directed by some Emmerich guy with a sexy, sexy James Spader wearing glasses. Stargate. Nice. On your list? Yeah, it's on my list. Farther up? Yeah. Okay. Another one we haven't talked about on the podcast. It's because we've been kind of saving, you know, some of the special ones. Uh, the one note I'll give is that uh, the I've had two DVD copies of this. Uh, one from way back in the day and then one more recently. Both times they turned out to be DVDs that I had to flip over halfway. And... Uh, <laughs> I guess that's from the Laserdisc version. Uh, so what? Oh, anyways, a straight port, huh? It's a. It's a. <laughs> we had to turn the disc over partway through. Yeah, I remember we had to do that. and We were like, "What, what? is this? A Stone Age?" Flip <laughs> it over. Anyways, I, I love that movie, but we'll talk about it later, Aaron. Okay, uh, my number three is Jurassic Park. There's dinosaurs. They're in a park. Ooh. Jeff Goldblum is shirtless, sort of. Jurassic Park is also on my list, but we haven't got to it. Uh, okay, then I'm done. No, that's good. Let's move on. That's good. Okay. <laughs> my, uh, what, number two? Number two. <laughs> my number two is 12 Monkeys. You're a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. No license, no prints, no warrants. What he took on five cops like he was dusted to the eyeballs. Nice, Which that's on my honorable mention. Cool. Is it on yours? Nope, just honorable mention for it's me. It's in my honorable mention. So okay. You talk about monos dos. Uh, twelve <laughs> monkey. The army of the twelve monkeys. We did that one for the podcast. We did. It was one of my picks, I think. And it's just awesome. It's yeah. just a really cool movie. Mm-hmm. And it's really unique. And Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. I was looking at this list and I was like, there's some pretty awesome, diverse, like, directors here. Yeah. Like, I've got some, you know, Carpenter, some Spielberg, mm-hmm. some James Cameron, Terry yeah. Gilliam. Yeah. I'm like, this is actually, yeah, it is representative of my taste, and it's kind of, like, broad. But there were some really good movies that came out in this era. Twelve Monkeys, I've said a lot about it already, but I think it's uh, funny I read in the trivia that he actually wanted Jeff Bridges to play the main character because I guess they did the Fisher King together and he really liked him and he wanted to use him for this. And I guess that Bruce Willis auditioned actually for the Fisher King and lost it to Jeff Bridges, but he was available for this. 
And I guess everybody was just super eager to work with Terry Gilliam, so they were willing to take less money and stuff, which is, that's cool. I think it's cool when there are creative people that want to collaborate with other creative people Heck and yeah. see what happens. Um, it's, yeah, one of my favorite sci-fi movies. Yeah, I don't even know what I could add to that. I mean, it's great. It's, it's a real good movie. Yeah. It's real, it's real creative. It's, it's a level of creativity that, uh, you really have to look hard for nowadays. And, and like it to, to Terry Gilliam, it, it almost feels like it comes natural, you know, but, but I know based on like some of the documentaries that I've seen about his work that he works his ass off to, to get things a very specific way. So, but it shows, it reflects in his movies. They're, they're usually just like, glorious to see set wise and acting wise and you know, construction of, of uh, scene per scene that kind of thing yeah very elaborate oh yes i also really enjoy this movie don't know what else i can add to it other than uh the idea that someone might be from the future but they also might be crazy uh love it and gilliam just he can he can he gets that taste so well uh, presented to you in this film. I'm all about it. Yeah, and David Morris wears like a wig. That's or, like, he's got that long blonde hair. That's oh, weird. Yeah. That's weird. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't like that David Morris. It, wasn't he like bald when he was what's her face's dad in Contact? <laughs> he just had like a close hair, a close cut. Yeah. Buzz <laughs> cut. Yeah. Yeah. He's been David Morris has been dad in my brain for a long time. So you know, in Twelve Monkeys. I don't know what's with that hippie Julian Sands haircut, but he's got to cut that crap out. Uh, my number two is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1989. Excellent. What the heck? Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way. Yes way. But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston. Who is Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We're in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. I didn't even realize it was in that period. <laughs> Maybe um... I uh, anyway, yes, yes, it should be there. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, totally Bill and Ted's. I could throw that movie on at any time and immediately be having a good time right right off the bat. Like, uh, there, it's, I don't even know, it's like, I, I definitely watched it when I was growing up, so I got an attachment that way, but. Um, we did an episode on it and I, I just like, I can't help it. Like it's in my heart. It's part of my body. Like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure for some reason. Like I, I just like can quote it left and right if I wanted to. And, and it, it's kind of weird, but I don't know. I like, there's something super special about it. Yeah. I, I think both of us feel like we could just watch it anytime. And, um, it is something that has definitely aged. It's like set in a certain period of time when we rem we remember what it was like then. And it's a little bit exaggerated in that movie. But there's something just really fun and easy about it. And uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Rufus. Uh, What's the name of Rufus, the actor? Oh my gosh. George, George Carlin. Carlin. Sorry. Yeah, be excellent that to each other. It took me a while. George Carlin is really awesome as like their mentor and like their guide. And he doesn't do very much in the movie, but the fact that he's present at all for it and part of the like lore just makes it even better. Yeah. Like, there. It's when you think about the movie, it's like almost like a series of music videos that happen like story wise. Like, <laughs> like just the montage of them like collecting different people from the past after they've already picked up a couple of people, and the, the whole Napoleon scene at the water park, uh, running around the mall, running around the mall. 
Like this is a captured this this late 80s early 90s mall stoner surfer yes. dude attitude type thing that is is like this perfect snap snapshot of something that you really can't see and it's not like people talk about it it's not like grunge where where people are still kind of talking about this kind of thing like no. those guys kind of look a little grunge you know uh ted there is with his uh his vest and, his and stuff hair. like that yeah but that's not what they're about no. and um it's it's just so much fun it is it's really a fun movie and i actually had an experience running around a mall around that same time period. I was nice. invited to my friend's birthday party in Ventura, and her mom had made a scavenger hunt for us in the mall. We were each given a certain amount of money, and at each of the stores they had something for us that we were supposed to pick out. And it was one of the most fun parties I ever went to in my whole life. And I have to say that it reminds me of that when I see the mall scene in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Because it was like around the same time period. That's really cool. Yeah. If if I had done that, I would have, you know, obviously back in 89, they were always doing live gymnastic uh, or uh, aerobic shows on stage. I would just knock that lady out of the way started doing the aerobics <laughs> that never really happened right they never had live aerobic like sessions in the middle of a mall right we were probably like 10 it was 89 or 10 or something <laughs> knows uh, i think they did joel oh yeah i think there were ladies like working out at the mall probably i i think they may have been but they were probably in like a store unit <laughs> that had been converted into a, a, you mean like an actual space where you yes. actually go? Yeah, probably. Yes, not not where the Easter money gets set up every year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who knows, man? There's a huge mall, so yeah, they got a Fuddruckers and everything. Were or, you in every? Were you State. in every mall in America in 1989, Joel? In uh, in uh, San Dimas, yes. Oh, okay. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I think it might have been the Topanga <laughs> Mall or something. Yeah, I have no idea, actually. I don't know either. I'm really surprised, too. This movie did not make my list, Joel, but it is definitely has a special place in my heart. Uh, I definitely watched this movie a lot as a kid. Love it. Wish I had more to say. <laughs> All right. My number two uh, on my list here is RoboCop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... RoboCop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Old Detroit has a cancer. Robert Cop. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's on my honorable mention. He was a cop. He got shot. He became RoboCop. He was a cop. He got shot. He became the RoboCop. RoboCop. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, Sarah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. I, did we do that for the podcast, or did we just? Yeah, watch we had it? special guests. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were expecting them to be to not like the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I think it was from the the Batman minute, guys. That's right. Oh my gosh, I remember talking about it now. It was real fun. Yeah, that was fun. This this movie just makes me smile. Uh, I just have so many good memories, and I'm really happy we got to record an episode on it and whatnot. But uh, I don't know how much deeper you want me to go, other than. <laughs> well, I think it's um, it's a good choice for Paul Verhoeven movies. You know, like it's it's super hyper violent, and that's that goes along kind of with They Live, where it's like the blatant message right in your face. Kind yeah. Of thing. But it could be just watched completely shallow as as this, you know, almost horror level uh, action movie thing. But there's the character actor is going crazy in it. You know. Um, uh, freaking red from that seventies show. Oh, definitely, <laughs> Clarence Boddicker. Man, right oh there. man, that guy. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I think uh, uh, Buckaroo Banzai there does a really good job. Oh, yeah. Mr. Weller. Yeah. yeah. Peter Weller. Oh, thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Nancy Allen's really good as his partner. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, Murphy, I'm wrecked. Ferrer. <laughs> Miguel Ferrer. Oh, yeah. Miguel Ferrer He's for the so, win in this movie. So slimy. Man. And, God, I wish he was still alive. <laughs> Same here, man. It's, we miss you. We miss you. Yeah. It, like there, it's just it's like a super interesting. Like even Sarah, you have to admit there, there's like a lot of interesting stuff in there. I know, I know it's definitely not on a list of movies you want to watch again, but yeah, it's not my favorite movie. But there's there's definitely interesting ideas, um, and I think that it's definitely its own thing. Like it's not it. It reminds me a little bit of like Total Recall, but. I don't know why. The same director. Okay. Yeah, I feel like it's it's pretty much on its own, though, because of the level of violence and the level of seriousness and because they really are, like, saying that this person is, like, robot and part person. Like, it's just its own... And it's not silly, you know? There's, like, maybe a lot of things where there's a person who's part robot who's kind of silly, but in this, it's, like, 100% serious. Part robot, part cop. Yep. All justice. All badass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shouldn't it be part robot, part man, all cop or something? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, number one. I think I know what Sarah's number one is. Yeah, did you guess it? Well, we I already <laughs> mentioned it, and we haven't got to it yet, so I'm assuming. Yeah, my number one is Stargate. It has been buried for thousands of years. A mystery. A secret. A threshold. Where'd you find this? I've, I've never seen anything like this. One man will break the code and open the door. From 94. <gasps> yeah. I don't think we've done that for the podcast. We have not. We started to watch it one time just for kicks uh, while Aaron was house-sitting one time. Oh, and yeah. we were, like, getting sucked in, but it was, like, really late, so we didn't, we didn't finish it up, so... Okay. Yeah. I um I can't remember when I first saw Stargate, but I remember loving it and uh started an instant crush on James Spader. Mm-hmm. First thing, I hadn't seen him in any other movies before that, and I was like, "Oh, he's like this dorky guy that wears glasses." And He's so not that, like, in most of the movies that he's in. Yeah, um, all those, like, 80s movies. Yeah, he's, like, like, he's like the, the cool guy. Like the cool, smooth, or the like, jerk. jerk. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, he's like a nice, like, dork. <laughs> like, the super, like, you know, cool. And And I saw this movie and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. I just, I know that it's not. It has aged some. I'll say that. But it is gotta be my top spot for this time period just because, um, Kurt Russell is a badass in it. James Spader is a badass in it. Um, it's got time travel and space and like ties in with like Egypt in some way. I think this was during the era where people were still really speculating about how the pyramids had been made and stuff. And they were just like, well, yeah, what about an alien? Racist. (laughs) (laughs) There were some really cool things that I had never seen done in a movie before, like... The stuff they did in the desert, the stuff they did, like, in the village there, the, like, effect of going through time but through water, I think, was different. There were some new special effects that I hadn't seen done with, like, characters with glowing eyes and stuff, and, like, and I really liked the kind of weird, 
like Anubis and stuff heads that some of the characters wore, they both looked like something that was pulled from an artifact from Egypt, but they also looked like this high-tech, like, exoskeleton-type thing that an alien would have or something. Not to, yeah, go on and on. Maybe we should do an episode about it. But No, that's great. That's great aesthetics there, having that... definitely a fave, yeah. That, that, that high sci-fi Egyptian kind of feel. I, I love it. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a cool concept. And, I mean, it, obviously, it, it must have been uh, appreciated by uh, a lot of people because it launched an entire, you know, like, universe. Uh, yeah. of, like, TV shows and spinoffs and TV movies and, and stuff like that. So, like, it's, I mean, there, there's a reason why. It was really good. And it's funny because I was reading the trivia about it earlier, and I guess James Spader is like, no, I 100% did that movie for a paycheck. I didn't want to do that movie. <laughs> I needed money. <laughs> and I think that's funny because, like, my first experience seeing him in anything, I loved him in that. And he, I guess, didn't even really want to do it. He thought the script had problems. And anyway, that's my number one. Do you want me to say my honorable mentions or do you want me to wait? Okay. All right. All right, my number one is Jurassic Park. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all. Woo-hoo! Nice, nineteen ninety three. I mean, I I think I've emphasized why that was uh, my one of my my favorite movie for a long time. Then it got knocked up by two thousand one, and now uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I kind of feel like my favorite movie is Repo Man. But uh, yeah, anyways, Jurassic Park. What else can we say? There's a there's a whole episode on what you know what we think of it, mm-hmm. but. It like that was the sweet spot for like you and and me. Oh yeah. And Aaron and oh yeah. Like I was twelve years old. Like holy crap! It's a dinosaur movie, and there's an adventures, and the the heroes in that movie are scientists. I can't yeah. think of a more exciting time I ever had in a theater than Jurassic Park. How many? It kids? was my birthday. Yeah. I invited a bunch of my friends. Chris Cutras being one of them. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we all drove the theater. We had a great time. I was freaked out by raptors yeah the whole episode yeah no i i love this movie yeah. Ex- excellent number one pick for sure man yeah i think it's i i would love to see a dinosaur movie that's better than this and i feel bad saying it but i just don't think cgi can compare with what they did yeah, I just think that it was a moment in time. It's an action movie, and it's going to be in our hearts forever. Yeah, and it made us all afraid of the Velociraptor, which we probably never would have heard of. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I think that it. I've heard that it actually like increased people's interest in like becoming archaeologists and study. Yeah, and studying dinosaurs. Yeah. I yeah. think it made kids more interested, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, I just certainly want to be a paleontologist after that. That didn't happen, obviously, but that was a short-lived dream. Like, I was always the uh, the kid who wanted to be Donatello because he was super smart. Like, oh my gosh, Alan Grant? Yeah, heck yeah. And uh, I, I think I probably talked about that this during the the episode. Where it was like when I read the book, I felt incredibly disappointed by it. Because everyone, you know, it's it's common. The the common idea is that the book is always better than the movie, and the book Jurassic Park has a, a lot of things in common, but it's it's very different in its tone. There's no, you don't really have any fun in Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. Spielberg took that movie idea and made it into a real kind of indiana jones-esque adventure oh yeah it just happened to have dinosaurs in it and uh considering the last indiana jones movie had aliens you know who could who knows he could fight dinosaurs 
at, at some point. Spoiler. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I seriously haven't seen the last Indiana Jones movie yet. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, let me spoil this for you. There's no dinosaurs in it. But there's a crystal skull, right? There Spoiler. is a crystal skull uh-huh. vodka. And Kate Blanchett? Yes, Kate Blanchett Kate drinks Blanchett. crystal skull vodka. Okay. And she gains the wisdom of the animal kingdom. And she's an alien? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Thor Ragnarok. Anyways, I love Jurassic Park, and uh, we were meant to be. Jurassic Park, will you marry me? Na, 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 na. <laughs> no, I won't joke us. I'm a movie, jeez. And that's when the long neck just sticks its head close to you and sneezes all over you. <laughs> you sneezed on me. That means we're married now. <laughs> when you gotta go, you gotta go. Sometimes you just need to hack a computer, Joel. There's that part where he gets back in the car. He's like, yeah, they don't, they don't have power in their car either. And, and Ian Malcolm's like, are the kids okay? And, and Dr. Grant's like, uh, oh man, I was just thinking about the, the actual alliance. Like, they seem like they're fine. Why wouldn't they be okay? And, and Ian Malcolm says, kids got scared. Like, well, there's no reason to be scared. It's like, well, I didn't say I was scared. It's a chisma thing, but it's also, and Grant didn't even think about, like, the difference between each other. Anyways, let's move on to Aaron's number one. Uh, my number one pick is uh, a bit of a uh, uh, strange one. My number one pick uh, is is my favorite anime from uh, from this particular time period, and that would be uh, Project Z or Rojin Z from 1991. May I welcome you to this demonstration which marks a breakthrough in public care for the elderly. Let me demonstrate. The dreaded bath Excretion. Disposal. It has a built-in electrocardiogram and electroencephalogram. It monitors body temperature, pulse, blood pressure, and respiratory patterns. It will administer appropriate medication, give oxygen... Well, I'm glad I pointed that one back yeah, out to you. Yeah, no, it, you blew my mind there for a moment. Thank you, Joel. Uh, no, th- this movie's really important to me. I saw this on the Sci-Fi Channel as a kid, uh, and it just kind of showed me... Why, why this movie is so important to me is because it showed me the potential of anime in a way that I, I hadn't even foreseen until this time, or at least up until this moment. I, th- I think the Sci-Fi Channel showed it again like much later, much later on. Uh, I don't think I initially saw this in 1991, as as uh, it's stated online coming out. I probably saw this like, gosh, probably like 96 or something like that. Maybe when when the Sci Fi Channel was kind of doing a uh, run of anime movies on their on their channel on Saturday mornings, uh, your Ghost in the Shells and your uh, yeah yeah. What was it about? So this movie is basically about the idea of how how we can help as a society. How can we help our our aging population? And so they've they basically created this this. Uh, this uh, bed that's supposed to be able to take care of our uh, our uh, folk who are who are uh, you know way elderly elderly and older uh, adults and uh, this particular bed they designed is just far too advanced for <laughs> for its own good. They basically put like uh, like amazing military technology into it, and so it like it tr- it completes its task. It's trying to help this elderly person. The, and this elderly person wants to go to the beach, so that's what the whole movie's about. Is like it trying to advance to the point where it can get. <laughs> wow, it's such a lovely movie. I, I love it, and uh, I, I definitely think we'll have to watch it here in the future. Maybe it'll be a pick here pretty soon. Cool. I'm excited because you literally talked about it like two years ago. Not not on the podcast. I think you just mentioned it to me. Oh yeah, I love this movie so much. It's so good, and uh, I believe. Maybe three or four years ago, when I went to a con, I actually bought a uh, animated cell from this movie, so I have like a piece of it now. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's radical. Yeah, that's my number one pick, though. All right, honorable mention. Oh, anime, anime. Yeah, yeah, it's out of this world. (laughs) 
What do you guys got that you, we didn't talk about? Go ahead and go through yours, Sarah. Uh, first honorable mention for me was Demolition Man. Watched it a bajillion times. It was one of the only English movies I had when I lived in the People's Republic of China. Earth Girls Are Easy was my number two. The Arrival, starring Charlie Sheen. For real? Was my number three. Wow. The aliens bend their legs backwards. Yeah, they're like birds. They do weird things. Nice. And my number four was Forever Young, starring Mel Gibson, who is put into a cryogenic chamber. And number five was Tank Girl. Nice. Which was just such a moment in time. That's, I guess, fantasy as well. It's but, definitely uh, post-apocalyptic sci-fi. Yeah, that I'll talk more about that when we're talking about fantasy. But um, also when we watch that movie, there was a, a moment in our culture that was very cyberpunk, very um, future, sporty, um, angsty, and goth. And Tank Girl was definitely part of that whole moment in time and number six i had to put independence day even though it's not one of my favorite movies i think independence day was kind of a big movie for its time and even though it's a disaster movie and it has a lot of converging storylines and stuff i think that there are some things that i'll always find memorable about it man blockbuster movie independence day for sure yeah. Yeah, it was a cultural icon. Yeah. That's why 2025 or whatever, uh, a million years later, they could make that crappy sequel that nobody saw. Oof. Yeah. Same. Didn't see it. Honorable mentions for me. I have Robocop, They Live. I already talked about those. Delicatessen, which is a, a French movie that takes place in a Pocalostic Biscure. What word was I going Post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world where, where they don't have food uh, available, so the all these weirdos live in this apartment building, and one at the bottom there is a butcher, and uh, you know we, we're not exactly sure where he's getting all this meat. Ooh, and it's done by uh, uh, I can't remember the director's first name, June, uh, who did Amelie. So it's got that amazing visual style, and it's really good. I recommend it if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, or probably would have made my list. We should watch it. Uh, 12 Monkeys, and then I've got Mars Attacks, which is one of my favorite, like, Tim, super fun Tim Burton movies. Like, I, I don't hold it up as high as some of the other cooler stuff, more well-known stuff, but, like, people give Mars Attacks a hard time, and I I just think it's a lot of goofy fun, so... I don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, I didn't even realize Mars Attacks was in this time period. Yeah. Bummer. That would have made my list for sure. Well, you know what, Aaron? That's okay. And uh, last thing I have on the list is uh, 1997 Star Trek uh, First Contact, which we watched for the podcast, and uh, I just thought it was really, really good. You know, Borg Queen forever. What year? 97. Yeah. It's on my list, too. Is that after... Honorable mention. Oh, 97 shouldn't have been on there. I'm so oh. sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Were other happen? movies? No. Okay. Uh, that, was the, that was only 97. I don't know okay. that happened. Yeah, it sounds pretty... Like things I was looking over myself. What are your picks, Aaron? All right. My honorable mention list is long. I will try real hard to uh, uh, hit these off as quick as possible. I got uh, They Live as well. I got uh, 12 Monkeys. Masters of the Universe. Terminator 2, uh, Batteries Not Included. <laughs> I, too, also added Star Trek First Contact to my list, even though it's a 97 film. Oh. Um, Spaceballs, Inner Space, Predator, Godzilla vs. Biollante, which is an amazing movie. Uh, also, Godzilla vs. Mothra. Nice. And uh, Dominion Tank Police. There was an OVA that came out in this time frame uh, that rocked my world awesome 
Yeah, some of these that you picked from this time period are ones I'm not familiar with. Cool. Oh, also Giver. That was from 1991. The Giver. Yeah. The Giver. The Giver. Yeah. That's a super fun episode we did. I love that movie. Mm. Well, um, we're going to split this in two because I said I'm on call this week and I suddenly just got a call that I have to go run out to. But uh, look forward to the top five fantasy. I'm going to publish them probably uh, pretty close to each other. You guys feeling all right? Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. I, mean, so I had many. a good time talking about sci-fi movies. Can't wait to talk about fantasy. Oh, Me yeah. EartrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.